0: So, as you know, we're having our Words in Red series. This could go on for a while. Because there's a lot of words in red in our Bible. What are the words in red? They're the words that is thought to have been the words that Jesus spoke. And they're all instructions. They're not Jesus declaring how great Jesus is. They are not words that say, oh, worship me. Oh, I am good, and I am better than you, and you will never match up to me. Jesus, those are not the words accredited to Jesus. Uh, Jesus gave instructions on how to love God, how to embrace God, and how to embrace yourself, and where to look when you feel horrible, and when you feel great. Always where to look. And the first place we're gonna look here to hear these words is Matthew 4, 17. And it says, turn from sin, which means confusion, which means missing the mark, which means from guilt. Turn from sin and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near, How, how close is it? How many miles away is it? As, exactly, as, they, as somebody recently said, if the kingdom were in the sky, everybody who left would still be traveling to get there. Because how far away would it be? You because know, at a certain point, we hit outer space, physically. So how much further, how do you get through outer space to get to a kingdom that's way up there? So clearly, The kingdom is in our mind. It is in our way of thinking. So it says, turn from sin and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. So, you're in your car. You're upset. Something's coming up in your mind, your visuals. You know, people are driving erratically or at the very least, they're driving differently than you think they should be. We're clear on that. Many of us have uh, become the judge and the jury on how everyone should drive. If my mother had been the one that set the rules, 40 would be the maximum. <laughs> <were> drive. <laughs> 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 but she was not the boss of the highway. So she drove through local streets <laughs> where 20 needed to be the max you could drive. It was in a small town. Uh, my, mother, my mother turned in her 1970 Dodge Dart in 1979. She had 44,000 miles on it. <laughs> mother didn't drive a lot. So it was a very small town. Both my brothers went through their dating years on that car, and I went through my car stealing years on that <laughs> car. <laughs> so from there, from turn turn to the kingdom, Jesus went out collecting men, fishing for men, as it were says, one day as he was walking along the beach beside the lake of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, out in a boat fishing. And Jesus called out, come along with me and I will show you how to fish for the souls of men. And they left their nets at once and they followed. And then further down, he more and more and more, all through Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, everywhere preaching the good news about the kingdom of heaven. He here's what's important, and he healed every kind of sickness and dis-ease. Now, so many people to this day call those miracles as if they are healing is somehow separate from what ordinary men and women are able to do. Oh, that was a miracle! That uh, I, somebody. A good friend of mine used to say, this is a real higher power thing, this is a real God thing. And I used to say, everything is a real God thing. Everything, you can't have separate experiences just because you don't understand them. Quit labeling this, the things you like, as a real God moment and the things you don't like as hell. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean there's not good in it to be experienced. If God, as I've said, if God is the entire everything, then how can what I don't like be outside of it? So everything, everything is within God. God's not a person. God is mind. And within mind, I can choose. I can pick and choose my experiences. That lead to certain events, so you see, my events are not the same as my experiences. I'm clear on this, my events are what I call them. I say it's this, I say it's that, I say it's this, I say it's that, and none of it's true. This is good, this is bad, this is okay, this I don't care about. Ooh, I like this, you know, and, and we and we begin to think that we somehow are the label makers of life. And Jesus said in Matthew 4, 17, I wanna say it correctly, why I transpose Jesus. Turn from sin and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is, is near. Turn from confusion, so quit looking at the confusion is the instruction. Quit looking at what makes you angry. Quit, look, turn the other cheek, quit looking. Oh, bad, bad thing, bad, bad thing and begin to look at it differently. Call forth divine understanding. Call forth wisdom. Call forth love. And it's not calling it forth from out there. It's calling it forth from some recess of your mind where you're not currently using it. And see what good we can use to change our minds about everything, especially about our past. I looked this up from an author, Mary Mae Osh. And it's how to make right decisions. She's a unity right, uh, author, that's the word i was looking for. And she says, here we witness the occasions when five men made the most important decisions of their life. As Jesus walked on the shore by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, and, and they were fishermen, busy at work. Now the indwelling Christ wisdom directed Jesus to choose these two as the first of his apostles. He offered them the opportunity to become fishers of men. The brothers already knew Jesus and believed his teachings, so when the master called them to work with him, they responded promptly and joyously. Walking further, he saw two other fishermen, the brothers James and John, sons of Zebedee. They were mending nets in a boat by the shore, again at the master's invitation. There was no hesitation. James and John promptly left their home and their family and their occupations to follow Jesus. Later, James saw a tax collector named Matthew at work in his office. Probably his position was a lucrative one, but he too made the decision to change his life's work and to become one of the apostles. Later, at dinner with Matthew and the other followers and some others, including tax collectors, some Pharisees criticized Jesus for eating with sinners. And uh, Jesus made it plain that his mission was to teach God's truth to those who especially needed help. Uh, Jesus explained further that he came not to call the righteous, but to help those who needed help. He knew that a true spirit of love was of first importance. So what's our practical application here? Our destiny is determined by our own decisions and our willingness to act upon them. Accomplishment comes only through decision followed by positive action. The men and women of this world who cannot seem to make up their minds experience continual frustration, confusion, disappointment, and defeat. Often their indecision is prompted not so much by ignorance as by doubts and fears, doubts regarding their own ability and fear of making a mistake or being criticized. Usually the indecisive person is unwilling to take the responsibility that goes with taking a definite stand or following a purposeful course. Our aim is to rise above the indecisive category and form the habit of right decisions. A logical plan of making wise decisions involves answering for ourselves questions such as these. What do I sincerely want to accomplish? What pertinent facts should be considered? Are these facts actually true in the light of truth? What possible courses are open to me as a child of God? What plan of action will most nearly fulfill my desire? And what am I willing to do about it? We will ask any of the above questions prayerfully, bearing in mind that above all else, our answers should be guided by one prime consideration. What do I think God's will is in this situation? The same thought might be stated, what is for the highest good of all concerned? What does God want me to do? Well, I I was taught that God's will for me is to be happy, joyous, and free. So, what is the decision that will not only open up a pathway for me to be happy, joyous, and free, but all beings to be happy, joyous, and free? And so to look at that and say, hmm, hmm, what is the pathway for that? And, And it varies for all of us. Years ago, David and I were struggling And we decided to go into counseling, couples counseling. And it made all the difference. And I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of this counselor, of this therapist. His methods didn't thrill me, but I saw we were getting along better. We were not competing as much at home. And we've been in for a few years, and I remember one particular week, I couldn't tell you the circumstance now, but I do remember that he said something and the therapist said something that I found wildly offensive to my sensibility and I let them know it and then and I saw them both react and I thought I can walk out right now but what would walking out do to my relationship and so I stayed and it's been easier ever since that day I stayed they heard me that day but i still don't know what was it i have no idea what the argument was what the battle was but i know david's and my relationship at 17 and a half years is stronger than it's ever been we like each other better and we don't compete we almost never compete and you say what does that mean to compete let me tell you what that means to compete what that means is if you left your glass on the counter yeah but you left your coat over there that's competing, that's trying to win, that's trying not to lose, and it's trying to win over foolish things, just over no thing at all. You know, I've told you before that I thought I was unloved because of certain ways he did things around the house. He apparently thought I didn't love him because of the way I spoke to him. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, we were just we we forgot there were two beings. We barely knew there was one in the house. Because our own esteem was not the highest. And but we stuck it out. Now I just finished reading a book by a friend of mine that I haven't seen in many years. His name is Artie Van Wy. And he wrote a book called He's written two books. The first one was called That Day in September. And the newest one is called a 9 11 survivor. And I remember seeing RD three, three days after 9 11 at a fellowship I, I attend. And I found a, he worked across the street there and he was right out there. And in his book, he describes that day moment by hideous moment, by hideous moment. And it's just shocking how many human beings could witness such things in an hour and a half and survive mentally, survive emotionally. And he has taken wonderful care of himself through the years. In two thousand three, he did have, he had to leave New York he moved back to Pennsylvania, his hometown. and he, But he wrote a one-man show about it called That Day in September, which he has done around the country, telling of his, because he needs to talk about it. I have other friends who have been down there and they, they can't talk about it. He needs to talk about it. But he alchemized his experience. Uh, one... There's a couple of statements he made in that book that uh, really struck home for me. Um, one, he said, as he, he, he ran across the street to try to help people with the North Tower, yeah. and he, uh, he was standing under the awning of Building 5, and he said, I saw things that my mind will no longer let me remember. But, uh, and that really struck home, and I thought, okay, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And then he said, at one point I saw a man jump on what appeared to be a pile of clothes, but it was clearly a pile of bodies. And he was running, they got him out of there, and he started running down the street, and there was a man laying in the debris, and he was alive, but his head was split open by debris that had hit him. And, but he stopped. He stopped to get this man help, and he and six guys lifted this heavy man onto a stretcher and get him into an ambulance. He chose, he, he, you know, he kept choosing, he kept choosing, he kept choosing in the, in, the, in the face of great upset and turmoil. And he felt it was his job to help anyone he could till finally he just had to run. Along with so many, you had to run. It was the only way to survive. And, and he ran. But in all that, he's done his therapy. He has stayed in a healing fellowship for over 21 years. He does what he knows he needs to do, and he finds his uh, help. He wrote his play. He's written two books. He's a speaker. I'm going to see if maybe he'll come up here and speak for us. And we've stayed in minor contact. Monday, we're gonna have a big chat on the phone. I'm looking forward to it. And, And so to turn away from confusion and turn towards the light. So as he's describing his events, he's doing it to help himself and others. Not once do I hear a poor me in this book, what I hear is, I went through this and I feel this way. To, he still can't fly. He still can't say can't. He still hasn't flown. When he went to California to do his play, he took a train. He said, It's the most wonderful event he had. And one of his best things ever in his life was to take a train clear across the country. But he, uh, he laughs and he, again and he's involved again in, in, in the world. And he, he does what he needs to do in order to focus on his higher power to focus on his light and how he may be one he knows for him one of the most important things is do not isolate with his thoughts and he gives advice and he says ask people if they want to talk about it ask people if they would like a hug Ask them. They, they. He's very clear on his PTSD. I, I can't find any denial anywhere. So it's all very inspiring to me because a lot of us have been through a lot of stuff, and then you hear that. Yeah. you y'all familiar with Viktor Frankl, uh, man, search for meaning. We have an entertainer friend named Miss Coco Peru who talks. Who says, you know, he, he survived the concentration camp, and he. He went on to become a great therapist. And he says, I don't know that I would want to go into therapy with someone with a concentration camp survivor. It's like, oh, your parents didn't love you enough. Concentration camp survivor, I win, (laughs) you know. There's no competition for what we have been through. It should not be a matter of, I should stay over here in the darkness because my pain or my experiences weren't as dramatic as that. We should all take every experience we have and how we felt about it and alchemize it into serving, into bringing more light into the world rather than, oh, mine's nothing or mine's too much. Some of your stuff will be too much for certain people, and that's okay, because where they are, they're not yet ready to receive. But find your people who want your message, who want to know of your experience, and find the people you want to know about their experience so that you can better know the light, so that you may turn away from everything that is temporary, and you may turn towards the light. You may turn towards our (laughs) unity, our oneness, turn away from the hatred. Turn away, turn away from that. It doesn't mean hate it. Now, although, I mean, later on Jesus gave an instruction, hate your brothers and your sisters and your mothers and everything, but that does, that's, a, that's a weird term to use, and what that means is don't agree with them. Find the love that you agree with. But if you the love that you agree with is not for the love of all, keep looking keep looking if your love leaves anyone out keep looking keep looking keep looking towards the light i know what i want is in the light it's in the light of my mind i know what i want is in the light it is not in the temporary confusion, it is in the light. Now, the light may lead you to look at that, but it will let you look at it in light instead of darkness. Celebrate your past, give thanks for it. Give thanks, I don't know what it means. But thank you, God. And now, how may I use it for me to live really well and let me enable all beings to live really well? Set up a Whole new thinking system if yours isn't yet at an elevated level, you want. Kenneth, you want to come over here and spread your light? You standing on the stage? Good. Mm. Thank you.